This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. If you have a Bible today, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read a verse today as we start a new series today. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we're going to put it on the screen behind me. Uh, can I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church? Uh, I love technology. I love my iPad. I love my iPhone. But there's something about the written Word of God in paper, uh, something that changes or something intentional. It's amazing. You can wear almost anything and say anything, and no one looks at you strange anymore. But you can walk into Starbucks with a Bible, and it changes the atmosphere. You can walk in with Harry Potter. You can walk in with any book you want. But you bring the Bible. That Why? Because there's something special about this book. And uh, we encourage you, bring your Bible. Uh, I want to pump up the small groups again. Uh, if you can sign up for a small group, we honestly believe life is better together. And like I said last week, that the, the key to your future is who you surround yourself with. Someone said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. The reason why my future, I'm excited about it, is because I've surrounded myself with God's presence, but also God's people. And uh, sign up for a group, they're fantastic. Uh, there's kickboxing ones, there's hiking ones, there's parenting ones, there's Bible study ones, there's men's breakfast, get together and eat. Men like to eat, come on, uh, and just hang out. There's wing night, there is coffee shop, there is so many different types. Uh, but we want to make it as easy as possible for you to get together and just build some real relationships. Uh, second Corinthians chapter 10, going to read it behind me on the screen in the King James Version's verse 5, uh, says this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. I'm going to read that first part again. Casting down, look at your neighbor and so say it's going down. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You know, I was thinking um, this week is, I was about the fall in our church and where we're at, and we want to start a new series today called The Battlefield. You'll see it behind me, The Battlefield. And I believe the next few weeks, next three weeks as we go into Thanksgiving, is going to help you because we are in a war, and I believe this word and God's presence gives us the tools to be more than conquerors, to be more than survivors, but thrivers. And I believe if we do this, going to help us in our daily battles. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for every guest that had the courage to walk through these doors to a new place today. Father, we're so thankful that they're here. I pray they would feel your presence and they would feel welcome. God, we thank you for your goodness on our life. Even in the middle of struggles, you are there. Father, I thank you for the wins this week of promotions and health and relationships. Father, you are so good to us. We pray these next few minutes, God, that you would use your word to come alive. It would help us more than just a talk or inspiration. There would be a transformation of our minds that we'd leave here thinking like you, more passionate about you. Father, I pray you'd help me preach clearly and well today and help us apply your truth into our walk. In Jesus' name, and thank you that the Leafs won last night. And Lord, do what you can with the Canadians. And everybody said? <laughs> There's a war that is fought in our heads and our thoughts. Am I the only one that thinks nonstop? Like your brain doesn't stop. You, 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 it's going a mile a minute with conversations and what ifs. And I'm realizing as I talk to people that there's a war being fought in our thoughts, in our heads, but it's realized in our daily lives. So it starts as a thought. But it's realized, like, like I was told as a kid, the Bible says cast down vain imaginations. I was taught as a kid, use your imagination. We had no technology growing up. 
know what I'm saying? My parents were like, you had lots of technology. We had no technology. My mother didn't have running water. Like she, she was like Little House on the Prairie. And if you get that reference, you understand that they had nothing. And, but when I was growing up, compared to today, my parents would say, go outside, and then they locked the door behind us. You know what I'm talking about? Go outside. It's minus 50. Go outside. It's right. Go outside. And some of my best memories were not being able to get back inside, laying in the snow and eating snow on my mitten. Come on, somebody. You know, you've been outside so long, the socks come halfway off your feet when you're walking in. How many remember the smell your hands had after being in mittens all day? Come on, that's my childhood. But I remember saying, use your imagination. Mom, I'm bored. We don't get bored as Millers. Go use your imagination. You go outside and a stick would become a sword or a lightsaber. And, and, uh, and you would take a stick and all of a sudden you'd be playing cops and robbers. Or your bicycle became a race car. You weren't just pedaling through the neighborhood. You were racing the streets of Europe. And you had turbo boost. Yeah, it was the bell on your bike, but to you, it was turbo boost. And your little legs would pedal as fast as you could go. Why? Because it was not a bike to you. It was a race car or a plane. Use your imagination. You know, it's amazing. The Bible talks about imaginations, and it talks about how the enemy wants to hijack our imagination. See, God made us with the ability to create. The Bible says God made man in his image. God is creative by nature. He made man and woman. He made what we see. God is making. God, is, God can't help but create. And we are made in his image, which means we were born to create. That's why we talk a lot about uh, entrepreneurs. We talk about influence with how to communicate. We believe that church is not the copy culture. We believe we are the birth culture. Why? Because the creative God lives in us. We are made in his image, which means you can't help but be creative. Some of you are like, man, I, I can't paint, but, but I sure can write code for computer. You can create programs. Some of you, it's creating atmosphere. People walk into your house, and your house might be a mess, but people don't care. They walk in, and they feel like they're at home. Why? Because you're creative by nature. How many met somebody? They can create atmosphere in their home. You just want to walk in and go, I am home. We are creative by nature. But I've learned, as I talk to people, that many times the enemy, the devil, wants to hijack our imagination. He used our thoughts, our imagination, to create chaos and deny us the very life we are promised. God says, I want you to create. Things start, start as a thought. But the enemy wants to hijack that. Instead of creating things to help people, instead of creating the life that God's called us to be fulfilled, it's amazing how many things started as a thought. My marriage started as a thought. I thought, I like her. <laughs> that was the thought I had. I need to marry her. Me and Nancy dated for two weeks. And then I put a ring on it. Don't do that, but I did that, and it's worked out well for me. But that started as a thought. I could tell you where I was and where I was standing when I had the thought, you know, I think I need to marry her a week after we started dating. And I went and bought a ring. I can, tell you, I can take you to the place in Bedford I was standing. What started as a thought now has created a family, a church, two children. It's amazing what starts as a thought. But the enemy wants to hijack it, wants to hijack our thoughts. So many things start as a thought. Think about technology, Steve Jobs, who, who started Apple. He had a thought saying people have computers, people have cell phones, and people have daytimers. How many remember daytimers? Remember Palm Pilots? I remember there was a time in my life I had a flip razor phone. Some of you know nothing about that razor phone, but that was the cutting edge stuff. I just wanted to snap my phone shut. Cutting, cutting. How many remember? Some of you still have a razor phone, right? Uh, you've never texted a given in your life. You know, you got a razor phone. 
But I remember we had a computer, and then you had a phone, and then you had a day timer that you would write in, or a Palm Pilot, and Steve Jobs had a thought, what if we could combine computers, phones, and day timers and calendars and make something simple, and his thought created the iPhone. A thought was the start of creation. Walt Disney in Chicago, Illinois, had a thought of this little character called Mortimer Mouse that his wife convinced him to change the name to Mickey Mouse. And he had this little cartoon of Mortimer Mickey Mouse on a train being a conductor. Some of you have seen that black and white old-fashioned cartoon. He had a thought about this character named Mickey Mouse. And that thought has turned into a trillion-dollar industry of movies and cities and castles and merchandise. And his thought in Illinois has become a reality that generations say, hey, we want to go to Disney World. If you had told my great-grandfather you would spend thousands of dollars and travel thousands of miles to go see a cartoon mouse's house that does not exist, he would say, you're crazy. But what was crazy to one generation becomes normal to the next. Why? Because a thought was born to be creative. Born to be creative. A thought can be so much more. It can birth something. What are some thoughts to try to lift itself against God and his plan for you? What thoughts do we battle? The Bible says, casting down vain imaginations that exalt itself against God. And I realize in my conversations, in my own life, there are thoughts and things that try to confuse me and raise up against the knowledge of God. Thoughts that want to attack God's best for my life. And that's what this series is, The Battlefield. For the next few weeks, we want to unpack three of these key thoughts that we run into all the time as I'm in conversations, talking to people in my own life that want to raise itself against the goodness of God, that wants to stop me from the life that God has for me, things that I battle day in and day out in my thoughts that are creating a life that I'm walking in, and you're in the same place, the battlefield. We want to talk about the battlefield. Today, in part one of the battlefield, we want to talk about this topic today. Write this down in your notes somewhere. The fear fight. The fear fight. The fear fight is real. Did you know that? What are some common fears? Common fears, we all know these. Heights is a common fear. How many, no, sometimes you're afraid of heights. The older I get, the more I'm afraid of heights. My gutters have not been cleaned in six years. Come on, somebody. I need to clean my, why? Because I, I live in a tall house and I got some, some fear there. Public speaking is one of the number one fears people have. If people think, man, you do what you do, but if you get me in front of five people, I just shut down. Snakes is my personal fear. I don't like snakes. I don't like looking at them on TV. Come on, where are my snake people at? I can't watch them on TV. I can't, I can't hold the fake ones in toy stores. Someone messed with me once in my office and put a fake snake on my computer. I said, words the devil didn't know. I just, I, I just jumped. <laughs> But then I tried to get them, I tried to get them, and I put it in my drawer, and I said, next time they come in, I'm going to throw it at them. How many know, every time I opened my drawer, and I saw the snake that I put in there, I still screamed. <laughs> I hate snakes. I hate them with a passion. Some common fears. You know, a couple days ago, I went on Instagram, and I put this question out for those that are following me. I'm like, what are some fears that you fight? What are some fears that you have? Not your neighbor, not your friends. What fears do you have? I had over 100 replies from people. And I broke them down to a couple of the common ones that people, uh, that are most common, that multiple people say. Here, here's some fears that some of you in this room wrote, and some people even globally wrote, but I think we all can relate to many of these today. Fear. The fear fight. Fear of acceptance was one. That people aren't going to accept me, that when they get to know me, that they don't want to be around me. Fear of failing others. I can fail myself, but if people don't see me as a winner, then I'm going to fail others. 
The fear of letting my family down financially. Yeah, that's a real one, isn't it? Got to keep your nose to the grind and the dog, you know, dog eat dog and, and, and the rat race. And what if, what if it doesn't work out? What if that, the fear of letting my family down financially, fear of my future, that's a big one. That's not just a young adult thing. That's a life thing. Fear of my future. What, what if this doesn't work out? What if they don't stay? What if, what if this, what, you know, the economy to the environment, to the government, to relationships, the, I had the fear of the future. Some people wrote this one down. Fear of my kids not following God. It's a real one. Fear of having no control over any part of your life. That you don't know what tomorrow brings. Fear of being alone and not getting married. It's a real one. Fear my spouse will die. Fear my spouse will leave me. This was a common one. Fear that I'm going to get a disease and die. Fear. The fear fight is real. A couple years ago, when I was in my 20s, more than a couple years ago, I say that fondly. Uh, a couple decades ago, in my 20s, you laughed way too quick at that one. Uh, I had the privilege of living for a while in Africa. And I lived in the country of Kenya, and we lived all over, but there was one season where we lived with this tribe called the Maasai. It was amazing, the Maasai tribe, they had a rite of passage for their young men to go from being a child to being an adult. And this was the rite of passage, and they've changed it now, but I was talking to elders and people that have lived through this, that were doing this, that this was normal in their tribe and in their culture, and it was this. To become a man, to go from being a child to a man, you had to kill a lion. That was their rite of passage. That's how you knew if you became a man. You killed a lion. <laughs> in our culture, it's like, if Johnny makes his bed three days in a row, he's a man. Like, <laughs> did you hear what Johnny did? He made his bed. You know, people say things like, let me just brag on my kids right now. They took the green bin to the green bin three days in a row. Come on, somebody. They are ready to move out. You know, like we have a difference of culture. In their culture, you kill a lion to become a man. I remember sitting around with these elders and these people, and they'd show me the scars on their body from killing a lion. They'd tell the story. And all of a sudden, the respect level goes up when you see a man knowing he became a man, not from making his bed or taking out the trash, but by killing a lion. Cats are of the devil. Lions are just big cats. Come on, somebody. Like, that, that is scary. And it's fascinating. I said, okay, unpack this for me. Number one, I don't want to become a man. <laughs> Number two, secondly, how does this happen? They said, we need to know a couple things. First of all, that lions will lock onto their prey. They said, what we do is we go out into the bush. We go out into the, into the, into the Masai Mara. We go out and we find a lion. And they usually run away and they hide in, in a thicket in some bushes. And we start throwing rocks at this lion. <laughs> mistake number one, right? But they said, we pick the guy who's going to become a man and we make sure he's the one throwing rocks and yelling the most because a lion will take it personal and go, he's the one attacking me, he's the one threatening me, and the one that is the strongest and the loudest and the most aggressive, the lion will lock onto him. He said, and then all of a sudden, at one point, the lion will go from fleeing to fighting and will come after you. And I'm like, and that's the point you pee your pants? Like, no, that's the point, you fight. And he says, you run, and when you get out, a lion will come at you. And he said, this is the truth you need to know. A lion always roars before it attacks. And its roar, if you ever heard a lion's roar, it paralyzes its prey with fear. It's a proven fact that most of its prey, don't miss this, die of a heart attack before it ever, fear, ever feels the teeth. Most prey die of a heart attack from the roar before it ever dies of being torn apart by its 
teeth. It says, as a lion comes at you, it'll raise its front paws. I'm sitting there in the Maasai Mara, number one, looking over my shoulder for lions. Secondly, listening to these men tell these stories through a translator. He says, as he pounces, he roars. Now, every young man is given a two-edged sword with a blade on both ends and a handle in the middle. And it says they put the, they're supposed to put it into the jaw and turn it sideways so that the jaw cannot close on the young man. And as the claws are ripping into his flesh, he then stabs him and his buddies come in and start stabbing this lion until the lion dies. That's how they become a man. And on their ceremony, they walk out with the lion's head and his mane on them, walking out in this, in the, in this ritual, in this celebration, with the lion that he killed, now a trophy on his back. I thought about that as I thought about this fear fight. And it says that they were most proud, these young men were most proud of the scars on their front from the claws from fighting, and they avoided wounds on their back because that means they were fleeing. And sometimes young men wouldn't pass this test, and they had a shame on them, and they said, the greatest shame of any young man is to have claw marks on his back. That means he ran from the fight and didn't face the lion. They proudly show the claw marks on their chest, on their skin from this fight. In this fight of fear, the devil wants to put fear into your heart and stop you from living on purpose with purpose. The goal of fear, please don't miss this, is to paralyze you. If you're fear of heights, you ain't climbing that ladder. If you're fear of, if you're fear of talking, you're never going to do that presentation. The goal of fear is to paralyze you from action. You ever been frozen in fear? I have. Whether it be heights or snakes or public speaking or something else. And you can't run, you can't move forward, you're just paralyzed. The goal of fear is to paralyze you. And if he can paralyze you with the what ifs, you'll never know what's possible. What if? What if? And fear paralyzes you in the what ifs, so you'll never realize and walk into the what's possible. Think about your faith today. Think about your life today. The what ifs. Well, what if I, I don't make it? Well, what if they disagree with me? What if I'm laughed at? What if I'm not good enough? What if I fail? And the what ifs paralyze you, so you never know and live through the what's possible. Oh, we miss what's possible. My friends, if we lean into this fear fight, we can have stories of not of what we've missed, of the what ifs, but we can have stories of what's possible. I saw God move. I heard the stories. I helped somebody. I won the victory. Sometimes fear wants to paralyze us with the what ifs, and we miss out on the what's possible. Fear always wants to paralyze. In this fight, my friends, you can live with scars, but you'll die from wounds. Did you hear what I said there? In this fight of fear, you'll have scars when you step out. Sometimes we, 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 we brag on our wounds, but listen, if, you're, if you have a wound, you're dying. But scars heal. You don't die from scars. You brag about scars. Man, I stepped out, man. I don't know if that business was going to make it. It was a rough few months, but then you know what? Man, in our first year, I got some scars from planting this church. We go, man, I didn't know what was going to happen. Man, fire department was on the stage. Smoke alarms going off. Anybody going to show up? I got some scars from this first year. But I proudly show them why, because I leaned into a fight and didn't run from it. Listen, you can live with scars. You'll die from wounds. Winston Churchill said it this way. Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. 1 Peter 5.8. Talking about fear. It says, stay alert. Watch out for our great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. You see that? Like a roaring lion. Looking for someone to devour. I want to let you know today, the enemy is roaring. 
And his goal is to strike fear into your heart. He's putting words in your heart going, what if you step out? What if they don't like you? What if you fail? And he's roaring at us with fear in our faith, in our relationships, in our finances, in our purpose. And it says, the devil, we have an enemy. My friend, we have an enemy to our soul and our faith today. And he wants to paralyze you with his roaring all day long, trying to get you to stand still and not flee and not fight, just paralyze you. See, some people aren't leaving church. They're just stuck in church. Sometimes people think, well, I showed up. No, no. Sometimes you can be in this service and paralyzed in your faith. You're thinking, I, I can't move. I can't move out in faith. I would rather some people to walk away going, that ain't for me, because we know where you stand. But some of you are paralyzed in your faith. You think, well, I've been around for 30 years. I believe in consistency, and I believe in legacy. But not legacy of being paralyzed and analyzed. I believe in the freedom of fighting for what God's put on your life. Fighting for your kids. Fighting for the city. Fighting for some things. The enemy is a roaring lion, my friends. He's an enemy to your soul. He wants to put fear into your heart. Fear that you die of a heart attack before you ever get into the fight. And your life is starting to turn into, what if I had made that move to Miami? What if I had asked that girl to marry me? What if I had put that money in the plate? What if I had used my talent on that stage? What if I did start that business? What if I did ask for forgiveness? What if I did humble myself? What if I did serve here? What if I did? Oh, because God has some stories he wants to write here. You can live with scars, but you'll die from wounds. If you turn and run, this line of the enemy will tear you apart. Fear, fear is a liar. But it wants to paralyze you. Live with scars, not wounds. The answer to fear, so what's the answer in this fear fight? The answer to fear is the person of Jesus. That's the answer to fear, is the person of Jesus. John 8, 31 and 32. Listen to what it says here. It says, Jesus said to these people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. And if you remain faithful to my teachings, that's what he wrote here, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to let you know today, truth frees you from a prison of fear. This is real today. Some of you are afraid. You're afraid to step out. You're afraid to make a move. You live in fear that someone's going to leave you or someone's going to hurt you. You fear every diagnosis. You fear every report. You fear every time you walk by your boss's office and the door's closed, you think there's a conversation happen. You live in fear of your future. The Bible says truth will set you free. Some of you need to get free in this battleground, in this fight of fear. you got to get free because God wants you to step out. This can be your best year yet if you step out. But if you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. And some of you, it's the fight of fear going, I'm going to lean into this thing. And I may get some scars. I may have a failed business. And maybe things are going tough at home. But I'm going to keep fighting. Why? I'll have some scars to tell the story of what God did instead of running and having the wounds why I won't make it. I want to encourage you today that the truth will make you free. So let's, let's let the truth set you free today. Let's get some truth into you. What can you in this fight, what can you lean on? Jesus Christ and God's presence. What, let's get some truth into you. You know the truth to set you free from this fear. The first one we're going to read today is 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You need to know the truth today is God cares about you. Can I tell you this? In this uh, fear fight, it's not about trying harder. It's about submitting more. 
People think, if I can just work up the courage, if I can listen to one more podcast, if I can just get Tony Robbins' book, if I can just work up the courage, it's not about trying harder, it's about submitting more. The Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. When you say, God, it's your way, not my way. God, I need your teaching, not my teaching. God, I need your help and your, and, and your plan, not my own plan. As we submit more, it says, God cares and rescues us. You need to know today, God cares about you. He cares about your bills. He cares about your children. He's not so interested in filling seats in here that he doesn't care about your child at home or was at the club last night running from God. He cares about you. He cares about you. You need to know that truth today. It'll set you free and from this fear in your life that God cares about you. Isaiah 35, verse 4. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. You need to know this. Here's the truth. God defends. God defends you. Oh, my friends, you don't need to have a comeback line. You don't need to have your, your Rolodex or your LinkedIn account deep going, hey, someone's going to defend me. God will defend you. Listen, God will make it right. Some of us take to social media and to water coolers to play our case and to make ourselves innocent. The Bible says that God, do not be stronger and do not fear, for God is coming to destroy your enemies. Listen, God will fight for you. When God fights for you, no one can stand against them. God is strong. God will look after your reputation. He'll look after your family. Can I encourage you, when you put God first, when you humble yourself, God will defend you. Isn't it easy to defend yourself? Man, I just, they only knew my side of the story. Jesus it says he made himself of no reputation, and he quieted himself. He said, my God will defend me. Some of you need to know this today. You're in a battle today. Accusations or people think, uh, have, have misread your, your motives. God will defend you. Some of you are in fear going, I did what was right in my workplace, and I did what was right, but someone's out to get me. Someone thinks they're going to slander my name and my reputation. God will defend you. Be free from that fear today. You can walk with your head high and your shoulders back that the God that loved you is the God that defends you. That's good news today. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. And why should I tremble? I wrote this down. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? God turns a light on in dark places. I still like a light on when I sleep. I pull the curtains back so I get the street light. Why? Because I wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know if I'm in a hotel. I travel enough. I don't know where I am. I still don't let my arm hang underneath the bed at night. Am I the only one? You know, come on. Some of you grown men, you won't let your arm hang over the side of the bed because you don't know what's under there. <laughs> my kids are awesome. I'm the same way. Sometimes I'm thinking, what is that shadow in my room? Is that, is that the boogeyman? What is that? Is that Monsters Incorporated? What is that? Something scary? What is that? And you turn the light on, it's your coat rack. You know what, in life, why is it when it's darkest we fear the most? Talking to this man a couple weeks ago who was in, he almost took his life and walked into church. Someone walked by and stopped him taking his life, walked into church, tears in his eyes going, I got hope again. It's amazing when you turn the light on, what was scary in the dark isn't scary in the light. The Bible says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Let God turn the light on in your life. Some of you are in a dark place, let God turn the light on. He's the light today. He puts a brightness in your, whole, in your soul and in your heart where you don't even know. God turns a light on in dark places. Oh, he's bright today. He wants to light up your life, light up your future. God wants to light it up. 2 Timothy 1.7. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, shyness, 
but of power, love, and self-discipline. Well, you know, today, God only gives us good stuff. I'm not talking about kind of fear that says stay off a roof or kind of fear that says don't pick up snakes. That's healthy fear. But some of you think, well, I got this fear in my life of stepping out and I think it's God keep me from making a mistake. No, God puts boldness in you. says have courage today. God only gives you good gifts. He gives you smartness and he gives you intellect and gives you counsel when it's the right time to make a move. God gives you good gifts and Bible says he's not giving us a spirit of fear but of love and power and a sound mind which means you can trust your decisions. You can trust your emotions when God's behind it. God can come in and give you good things that you need. Some of you have settled for a life of fear going, this is what God made me. I'm just living in fear that my spouse is going to leave me, that I'm going to get diagnosed with a disease. No, 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 no. God only gives good things. God gives good things. Today, I want to encourage you to feed your faith and starve your fears. When you know the truth, you got to feed your faith. That's why this Bible is so important. That Bible study that Jim's doing on the names of God is so important. you got to feed your faith and starve your fears. Some of you, you need to shut off the news. It's the same thing all the time anyway. No collusion over and over and over. Talk about storms and stormy Daniels and everything else. Shut the news off. You're feeding your fears. Some of you, need to, some of you need to starve your fears and feed your faith. Get into the word of God. Get around some small groups. Get in here and go, no, no, God's for me, not against me. Start feeding your faith. Listen, God did it in his life. He'll do it in my life. That kid came back to God. They were far from God. He'll do it in my teenager's life. God helped you financially. He's going to help me financially. Some of you need to feed your faith today. Starve your fears. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more courage you'll have. Acts chapter 4, as we close. Acts chapter 4. Worship team, you can come back. It says in verse 13. It says, the members of the council. These were the judges that were going to throw these men in prison. They didn't like what they were saying. These were uh, a jury and judges. These were the religious law of the day that didn't like the people that were living for God, living for Jesus. They were upset that they were trying to help people and make it easy for people to connect with God. It says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness, the courage on Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. I think that should be the unofficial theme of Nova Church. Ordinary people with no special training. There's nothing special about us. Ordinary people. But then it says this. But they also recognized as men who had been with Jesus. My friends, when you've been with Jesus, something happens. Some of you are struggling with fear today in one of these areas, your health, your relationships, your finances, your purpose, your direction. The Bible says when you spend time with Jesus, people saw a courage on them that they couldn't get from training, they couldn't get from experience. It says they were ordinary men with no special training. But because they spent time with Jesus, courage filled their life. Come on, worship team, help me today. In this fear fight, when you get around Jesus, it changes you. So many people, I'm afraid of the future. I'm afraid my past is going to come back. I'm afraid if I do this, and God is asking you to step out. Some of you are so afraid of trusting God with your finances, you live in fear. Instead of helping a single parent or someone in need or putting money into partnering with God in church. You live in fear and you wonder why your life is taken over by fear. Trust in the Lord. Some of you live in so much fear of stepping out in your giftings, in your boldness, and in what God's called dreams in your heart that you know are God. And in this fight, this battleground, you disqualified yourself in your thoughts when God's asking you to step out with your feet. In this fear fight, you just step out 
The more time you spend with Jesus, it changes you. Some of you are letting fear lead you in this place. Here's how you know fear is leading you. You say things like, well, what if? What, what if? Yeah, but, yeah, but let's, what if it doesn't work? But what if they don't like me? What if no one, what if no one recognizes me? What if, what if, my, what if, what if someone else gets promoted? What, what, if I fail, what if they leave me? You've been bothered by that for a while. Why don't you go get it checked? But what if it's a bad diagnosis? Maybe it's a simple fix, but you've been living in pain because you've been letting fear lead your life. The Bible says to have Christ is gain. My friend, he's removed fear. He defeated fear in the grave and death in the grave when he rose. Listen, this life is a vapor and life is not easy, but it's worth it. But my friend, the fear is gone. Why? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear it. Why? Because I am right with God. And whether I have 20 years on this planet or 85 or 90, I know that my future is set. Why? Because God is with me. And when the truth, when I feed my faith, it starves my fears. Some of you are letting fear lead you today. If you lift up Jesus, you lower the fear in your life. Some of you settle for coming to church. You've got to get the faith fed in your life. Courage isn't about trying harder. It's about surrendering more. Stand to our feet today, if you could. We're going to sing this song, and then we're going to pray. This song is about courage. It's about fear. As we sing this song today, here's the question I want to ask you before we pray for you. Are you letting fear lead you in your life? Are you in a marriage, but you're afraid of your marriage, your partner walking out? They've given you no reason to think so, but you're living in that fear. You walked in here today healthy, but you are fearful of every ache and pain because you think it's a disease, because you've seen. Are you afraid of your finances? You work hard, you say, but you're afraid. You're living in fear. Every dollar, every cent, you're living in fear. Is it your purpose? God put something in your heart to reach out to somebody, to do something of purpose and not have a job, but actually have a life. But fear has held you back. Go, no, no. What if? What if? Some of you, you know some people need to experience God's goodness. And you feel that. I need to invite them to church. It's not a guilt thing. It's not a pressure thing. You're like, man, God's been so good to me. I need to invite them. But you're this. What if they say no? They might. But what if they say yes? People here today, because someone had the courage to go, God is good. And what if you need this? You'll never know what's possible if you live in the what ifs. We're going to sing this song. Let it speak to your heart today. Not today. In this fight, let fear not have a grip in your heart anymore. We speak to the courage as we lift Jesus up and fear fails. Come on, let's sing this together.